Welcome to episode 134 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, and I think this is only the second time in the history of the show we've ever not gone live to start the podcast. We just gave you guys a really good 15-minute start to a podcast that will just never be heard. Again, I am joined by my co-host, Dalton Willie. Producer Johnny Fam is in the background. He can jump back on later in the show or right right now if you'd like. Hello, Johnny. Um, we had a pretty hilarious open where we talked about Dalton's headset a lot. Um, I'll just put him up here again real quick uh, without going through the whole thing again. Just anyone on the YouTube who's watching, just, just take a look at the headset. See what you notice. Get back to us. Uh, that was a lot of fun. It's uh, made that way. Very, <laughs> very sad that I messed that one up. So apologies uh, on this. And we do have a fun show today, though. We've got top 12 ranks at both receiver and running back. We're, of course, going to preview conference championship weekend as well. Uh, Dalton, we will, as I mentioned in the now lost version of this podcast, we will not do a full top 24. It's just top 12 at each position. We'll just maybe point out where we would take the first receiver because I think we'll have running backs, at least for the first pick, maybe the first couple on the board. But we could just go ahead and jump right into it. My number one, as we said earlier, it's a very clear top four tier of receivers. As we discussed, you and I both have different orders, so that that's fun. But the top four is still the top four, I think. My number one is Tyree Kill. The guy averaged the most points per game at receiver this year. He was the wide receiver two in overall scoring behind only CeeDee Lamb. Got a little bit banged up down the stretch, and obviously the, the offense slowed down a little bit for the Dolphins. But like he's Tyree Kill. He's been historic the last couple of years. He's been there, and he's been amazing in his entire career. I have him at number one. Uh, Dalton, I know you have uh, a different receiver at number one. Yeah, I took Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, in a 10 game span, he got over a thousand yards. It cannot be understated how talented he is. I think he's the best skill position player out there other than Christian McCaffrey uh, and Kevin O'Connell and company will continue to trot him out there and use him in different ways. Uh, I do, you know, irrelevant of who becomes the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, he's going to produce for you week in and week out. Uh, but like we said earlier, when it comes to these top four, they're all pretty interchangeable. And when it comes to drafting for the 2024 season, uh, I'm probably going to be more inclined to snag running backs early because I would rather take one of these guys who fall to me at like seven or eight than take, you know, with pick three, take yeah. a guy who I think is just as good as my my number four wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Um so at my, I have Jefferson third, and I just think you have to ding him a little bit for the quarterback uncertainty right now. Um, obviously, we know like he's going to be awesome no matter who he's playing with. He went twelve for one ninety two and a touchdown uh, in in week seventeen or was it week eight? Well, his last game, but week eighteen, I think. Yeah. And then two weeks prior to that, he went six for one forty one and one touchdown. So like he's going to produce. He's going to be awesome with whoever he's playing with, but. Obviously, the quarterback situation was very bad to end the season. They don't have a high enough draft pick where you think they're going to draft someone to come in and be a day one starter. Now, maybe they you trade up. Party. Maybe they trade up, or maybe they take a guy in the teens who turns out to be really good. 
but it's not like you're getting a Jaden McDaniels, a Drake May, a Caleb Williams coming in there without a significant move. And then maybe they bring back Kirk Cousins, but like I don't know why. This is not based on anything other than just vibes, a, a gut feeling for me. I would just be a little surprised if, if that were yeah. to happen. Uh, yeah, so that on ahead. the flip side of it, I have Tyreek Hill four because uh, yeah. that Miami offense uh, that you know they got figured out halfway through the season. Um, and it's just going to be another off season where McDaniels has to go out there, get innovative again, get interested in this motion. And I'm not saying who the, who the Vikings bring in is going to be better than Tua Tagovailoa, but Tua has significant concerns that really limit his receiving options. And then with McDaniels, uh, ability to spread it out and try to utilize unique things, I think that it, it dings Tyreek Hill for me. And then there's the age cliff. Uh, I don't think 30 is too old for a wide receiver, but for a guy who is really reliant on his athleticism for some of the big plays he makes, I'm always a little more concerned about that. So I'm just baking in a little yeah. more risk in Tyree Kill than I am with these other three guys. That's fair. My counter to that would be Tyree Kill is just one of those guys that is such a freak that I'm going to have to see him drop off before I uh, get too worked up. It's definitely a factor. You could consider it if you want to use it. I have one of those guys in my running backs, so I understand. Yeah. So my number two is CD Lamb. And, you know, this is a guy who has been really good up until this year, but he always kind of left us wanting more. The full breakout from really good to elite hadn't happened. And it finally happened, especially in the second half of the season. He finished as the overall wide receiver one and was just an absolute baller like the receiver room brandon cooks is aging out michael gallup's not very good jalen tolbert doesn't really appear to be worth much of anything so i think the ancillary pieces will look different but the end result will be the same cd lamb as clearly the top guy in this offense with a couple nice tight ends maybe a, a decent receiver or two to back him up you worry a little bit about dak winning you a Super Bowl, but you don't worry about him being good enough for CD Lamb to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, with their their poor receiver room, uh, you, you don't really question whether or not he's going to average 14 targets again at this rate. He was second in the NFL at Yak, only behind Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, they finally utilized him outside instead of in the slot, which he was really productive at both levels of the game. So you like that they're willing to put him in both spots to give you more fantasy value, to mix it up, uh, and to not be so predictable with those coverages. Uh, and I mean, all those reasons are why I have him at my three. He's a perfectly fine pick in the first round this year. He's a pretty safe pick, in my opinion. God, it's amazing how much you hate Tyree Kill and C.D. Lambs. Unreal. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's amazing how much you hate my number two guy, Jamar yeah. Chase. Yep. Who number I four think, for me. Yeah, so so terrible. But with the impending departures of T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd, I think they at least lose one of them. Shores up some targets. I think for sure Tyler Boyd is gone, which lets Tyreek yeah. Hill get, or Jamar Chase work in the slot a little more frequently. Um, and that that is a productive area for him. Bengals were bad enough this year that they have high enough pick to get a good tackle in this draft. I like that because Joe Burrow with more time means he finally has the opportunity to hit those deep ones. Two, Jamar Chase, my only concern here is the loss of Brian Callahan, their offensive coordinator, and how they go to replace him. They do somebody like Arthur Smith. They, 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 they uh, I think about an hour ago, they promoted their quarterbacks coach. Well, then I feel just as fine about it. Um, always, they're 
always be a little wonky stuff there, but I'm pretty confident their quarterback's coach is going to keep things pretty consistent. Um, that worked well for the Eagles. Yes. Well, <laughs> uh, I just get it, it. It'll probably be fine. I'm not yeah. too worried about about that aspect of Joe it. Joe Burrow doesn't have the same restraints that uh, <laughs> Jalen Hurts has. Like yeah, over the yeah. Bur- Bur- Burrow is is better than Chase, or Burrow is better than. <laughs> Burr. That's a wild take. They're going to trap Joe Burrow out there at wide receiver this year. <laughs> Burrow is better than Hurts for sure. No, no, no arguments there. I have Chase four, and to me, like a, a a mini tiebreaker I use here is he, even though he had the historic rookie season to top Justin Jefferson's historic rookie season, he's the least proven of the three, obviously in longevity, but. Also, in he has not topped out at quite as high of level. It, you know, it, it it is splitting hairs. The hairs are very thin that we're splitting here, but that that is one factor for me. He's also missed like guys get hurt every year in the NFL. I'm not saying that like he's injury prone, but he has missed a couple games each of the last couple of years. So maybe there's a little bit more injury concern with him. With all of these guys have been banked up, but like just it's been consecutive years for him where it hasn't been that these other guys. I don't know. Like if Burrow's healthy, Chase will be awesome. I, I kind of think Tiggins will be back, but as we've discussed, I don't really think uh, T Higgins will change how I feel about Chase because those guys in Cincy have been pretty similar. Uh, if you look at their splits, when one is playing and one is not, or both are playing, it doesn't really matter which way you flip it there. Now, if T Higgins goes somewhere else and it's better, maybe he ends up in the next top 12 that we do. He's not in, in mind yeah. currently right now. Yeah. T Higgins is definitely not in my top 12 right he, now. He was in consideration for me, but he's more like in the 15 to 17 range as a, which I think I'm still going to be high on him if he goes back to Cincy based on what I've looked at, but you know, everybody had him ranked as wide receiver 12 coming into this year. And it was a lost year for the Bengals, a lost year for him. I, I don't really want to change the outlook of him too yeah. much based right. on that. Yeah, right now their quarterback is following the Philip Rivers career arc where he is only <laughs> healthy every other season. Seriously. Um, okay, number five is where it gets interesting here. Uh, a tier at number four. And number five, I have Amon Ross St. Brown. Who do you have? I have Amon Ross St. Brown. I actually... It's impossible to put him right now above any of the four, but yeah, I would say looking at my list, this is the last wide receiver that I cannot poke holes in yeah. and ask questions I agree about where I feel confident in everything. Even with the departure, the impending departure of Ben Johnson, I don't really have any holes in Omron's game. And for a guy who just averaged 1,400 yards, a lot of people are really quiet about how incredibly talented he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, him his pairing with Jared Goff, who loves to target the middle, and the guy who works so well over the middle is a, like a fantasy match made in heaven. And if I were doing tiers, I would probably – he will never surpass the other four, but he probably belongs in the no holes in their game tier at this point you know it's kind of funny i i would have to were, were he and jamar chase in the same draft class i think so yeah 
I, I think he probably had well, partially because Chase has had injuries. He may actually have more yards than than Chase as an NFL receiver, which is like wild to think about. I'll look that up as we keep going here. But yeah, it's like great player, great situation. The only really, it's not really a concern, but the only I guess kind of variable that could change is just you know, situations change year over year. There are even even the best offenses and best quarterbacks, obviously the Chiefs offense wasn't what it was this year. You know, the 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 Bengals have gone through phases, injuries, and also just struggles, the Bills as well. But for the most part, like Chiefs, you can bank uh mostly good years, Bills too. It's like I'm not sure the Lions and Jared Goff are quite to the level of we can just bank on them being an awesome offense every year. Yeah. But I also like I think they're gonna be good. Like if and Auburn Rod St. Brown hasn't had to have had an elite offense like this every year to be around this value. He's been good more than just this year uh, around this spot. So, yeah, I, I think he's kind of the clear five for me. Who is your number six? Uh, again, at this point, six, six down, there's a, a question in their game that concerns me a little bit, but their talent is undeniable. I play A.J. Brown here. Um, me too. This is funny because we did not look at each other's rankings before this. No. Um, and we also didn't really like we did you I thought you were gonna have him lower because you you seemed to you seemed more concerned about an AJ Brown rank than I did last week when we were talking about the Eagles. Well, I'm just disappointed in it because he's better than what he's played to be. And I think part of that is the offensive environment he's in yet again. Uh and that's the concern, and that's why he's here. The Eagles have I think they're still looking to hire their offensive coordinator. They obviously fired both their DC and their OC this offseason. And Nick Sirianni is more of a general manager head coach. He doesn't do play calling duties on the other side of the ball. So there's a lot more fluidity in who is calling those plays and what they occur in. To start the season, despite it being a relatively ugly year for the Eagles, A.J. Brown obviously had multiple 125-yard-plus games. Um, but – all of that work is coming for him on the sideline. Uh, I went and looked, and in my top 12 wide receivers, A.J. Brown had 72% of his targets come outside the numbers. Like, he had an insane number, and those are not high-profile plays. Those never work out for most guys. This is also a player who we know has really good yak ability. Yeah, that, that, Brown, was, that was what he did in Tennessee. Yeah, his slant game is insane, and they, they just didn't run any, and – if we have another season where they're not putting him over the middle, where he works just as effectively, then they're just going to be up and down weeks. It's going to be frustrating. And that's why he's the first one out of these tiers. Cause I don't think he's any less talented than Amon St. Brown or I mean, no. even CD he, Lamb. He, he's better than Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, yeah. Just to be honest, he's better. But simply put, he, he's just in a bad, which it's weird. We're saying this after last. I don't know year. if I'd say bad, but he's just in an uncertain situation. Yeah. Right Suboptimal. And even that, I, I don't know. It could end up being it, it's good next year again, yeah. but it's it's just uncertain right now with, with yeah. the way things ended and the turmoil kind of there. But like you think about all those things, the usage we're complaining about, just and the way the offense unraveled in the last couple of weeks, and he's the wide receiver five on the season because he's yeah. just that good. And it's like I don't know how you can go any lower. Yeah, than no six. I agree with you. Who's your seven? Uh, real quick, so. Uh, Chase has about 200 more yards. He does have eight more touchdowns on the separator. So, excuse me. So Chase has definitely been better, but like 
that's how good Amon Ross St. Brown has been. Is Chase has been a historic player, and Amon Ross St. Brown is like 95% that guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, he scored on a wheel route, which I thought was so weird in the, <laughs> in the divisional game. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, yeah, no, I did see that. All right, my number seven, and I th- this has to be where, where we diverge. The, I, I took a little bit of a, a sh- I'll call it a little bit of a shot, a little bit of an upside shot at one spot at receiver and one spot at running back. Okay. And I have Chris Olave at number seven. Uh, he is in my top 12. He is not number seven. He, I mean, I only have two spots lower. I have him at nine. So. Okay, so not crazy. No. Um, it's obviously a little bit of a projection. He just finished this season as the wide receiver 21. He, you know, he missed the game. He left another, I think, either one or two games early. He also played with a bum ankle for a little while this year. So he was probably, by and large, better when he was right than the wide receiver 21, but he still was not, you know, where I'm ranking him right now. That's not what he was this year. But you look at it, he scored in double digits in three of his last four games. He and Carr did get on the same page a little bit better than earlier in the season where it was like the struggles were very obvious. Uh, Derek Carr was making us very mad by yelling at our sweet Chris Olave the way he was earlier in the, earlier in the season. Uh, but I just think, you know, Carr is not great. He's not even good, but he's good enough to where – you can have this type of season with Derek Carr as your quarterback, I think. And I just think Olave is one of the best eight to 10 receivers in football. We've talked about it. Such a great route runner. Um, So consistent. Like for me, like the reason why I prefer him to Garrett Wilson, uh, just from a real life and even a little bit fantasy perspective is he's just more consistent on a play in play out basis than Wilson. Wilson has crazy highs and Olave can have those too, but Olave is just like, he is just so consistent on a play and play out basis. I feel like, and really you look at it, it feels like a bad season for Olave, but he has 1100 yards and five touchdowns and the five touchdowns is really the key. And he had four his rookie year. So it's like, if this dude just has a nine touchdown season, he's going to be a top 10 receiver and i know that car struggles in the red zone that may cap the touchdowns a little bit but touchdowns we talk about it they're largely fluky rashid shaheed scored five touchdowns on about half the targets and about 60 percent of the receiving yards he just you know olave hits deep shots but shaheed hit more deep shots for a touchdown it's just that's how it goes sometimes so like if olave just hasn't a good touchdown season next year that alone can can change his fortunes from last year to where i'm hoping he can be next year yeah he led the nfl in unrealized air yards which <laughs> it, it is what it's two years in a row he's done that by yeah. the way um but he gets open so well in the deep game the firing of pete carmichael hopefully is exciting i did see today that i they- saw eli tweeting about they're gonna bring in arthur smith because that's what the fans don't want them to do and let me just say I'll be very perturbed if they do that. Well, equally bad. They uh, brought in the guy who took over play calling duties for the Steelers uh, for their offensive coordinator (laughs) interview, which I don't really approve of either. Um, But you're right. The big issue here, and this is why everybody underneath Auburn St. Brown has questions for me, is his quarterbacking and the play calling on this team. They, They also have some offensive line woes that could make Derek Carr even worse. With that all being said, Chris Olave is 
so good at what he does. He is such a good route runner. He is open all the time. The only issue is his quarterback does not always throw him the ball. What's so open. frustrating is you're right. He's open all the time. But as somebody who, you know, I have been dynasty, so I've had him every game of his career. Um, there are more weeks than not where you get the halftime and you have to do a Twitter search of Chris Olave because you're like, uh, is he is he playing? Like, did he get hurt? Like, what? Nope, he's just every Saints fan is yelling, throw it to Chris Olave on Twitter. Nope, he's not hurt. He's just being ignored. <laughs> yeah. And Shahid is an unrestricted free agent. I don't know if he's going to end up anywhere. Um, but in the event he does, that's that opens up more deep in-breaking routes, which was all Shahid really did for Chris Olave, which I don't have any doubt in my mind that he can run those as effectively as Shahid. Maybe without the speed, but with the I don't know, man. Olave is Olave is really fast too. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I have him at nine. We're not too far apart on him. Okay, cool. So who's your number seven? Uh, I have Puka Nakua. I have uh, an eight. So okay. So again, uh, we, we we I would say we think we're pretty chalk, but I've seen a lot of wild top twelve rankings just for what it's worth. Yeah. Um, Puka Nakua. He finished the season as wide receiver eight. He had a really good season. Obviously, he broke a ton of working records. He does everything really well. And Matthew Stafford has just been a fantasy goldmine for the wide receiver position his entire career. Obviously, Calvin Johnson broke the receiving record with Matthew Stafford. Then Kenny Galladay had back-to-back 1,400-yard seasons yeah. with Matthew Stafford. Uh, and then, and then Galladay, was never heard from again. Yeah. Uh, Cooper Cup had the triple crown with Matthew Stafford and then Nakua went on to break the rookie uh, targets catches. So he broke a couple records in yeah. the season. Uh, and then he goes in the playoffs and drops like 150 yards in yeah. his first playoff game. Yeah. He was awesome in that game. Uh, every year you expect guys to take a little leap forward when they're younger, if he gets better. And if Sean McVay, this is difficult because I don't want to say add a compliment because Cooper cup is still a good player, but there, this team has a lot of room for improvement. And well, you know, Higby tore his ACL. Yeah, and in the last game of their season, so yeah, you would think that is kind of the opening for them to get younger and more explosive at the tight end position. Maybe that's where the compliment comes. Yeah, from. and my my expectation here is they're still going to be really good. Uh, Matthew Stafford did not show signs of throwing de- slowing down. They'll probably be better next year because they yeah. were really young, and this was kind of a uh, well, f it, let's see what we can do type of year. Yeah. And and they I did mean, well. They started two rookie guards. Um, they Steve Avila played really well for them. Uh, I this Rams team is going to be very fun again next year. The only concern and the only reason he's not like a bona fide top five guy is you you do worry a little bit about Matthew Stafford's health. We're one season removed from him having that elbow injury that really hampered an entire season. Yeah, I mean, we thought we thought he might retire. Um, yeah. that that's how injured he was. And I you will never convince me he wasn't knocked out cold in, in that game against Detroit um, yeah. for, for a split second there. And also perhaps a broken rib on on the same play. Yeah. Um to me, yes, the, the Stafford thing is a, a slight concern. The other one, I'm not even gonna say it's a concern. It's just a reason why I don't think he has quite the upside of the guys ahead of him, which I don't know. This is, he's a little bit Amon Ross St. Brownie where it's like, he doesn't, it's boring, but also he just doesn't have the explosion that, you know, like Olave has, but obviously the AJ Browns, Jamar Chase, uh, those guys, like 
if Puka does this exact same thing again next year, you know, he'll probably be like back to back with Amon Ross St. Brown or something, you know, Amon Ross is a little bit more equity right now. Uh, so that would probably be the difference between those two. Yeah. And I, I just want to highlight this because it's going to be a lot more, there's going to be a bigger disparity among running backs, like my top six and then my bottom six, there's a bigger valley between the two. Um, with all of these guys, I would be okay with drafting them as my wide receiver one on my fantasy roster, mm-hmm. um, which I think there's a lot more parity at the wide receiver position this year than there is, or this coming year than there is. Well, and we'll we'll talk about this uh, later on, but we have a great rookie class coming in too. So like, I didn't consider Marvin Harrison Jr. as a top 12 receiver for this list, but I know people will consider that. And depending on landing spot, we'll see. And then we have a couple other guys uh, who are monsters in that class too. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, neither did I. Marvin Harrison Jr. is not in my top 12 either. Uh, I will not rank a rookie in the top 12 for wide receiver just because – these guys, I'll, I think my entire top twelve. At, at least, at least pre landing spot, we got. Yeah, see definitely. It. Like if Marvin Harrison Jr. is a if patriot, he goes the, if, if he goes to the Giants, like that seems yeah. kind of the most likely right now. If he goes to the Giants, then it's like, eh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want that. <laughs> I mean, I do, but not at yeah. top twelve price. Um, okay, so Puka was your seven. Yeah. Okay, so and he was my eight. So go ahead and give your eight. Uh, it's DJ Moore. Ooh, I, DJ Moore was not on my list, but he was probably my first or second guy that missed the cut. Um, this one, I mean, this is a Caleb Williams rank, right? Not even. I mean, even with really so that, Justin that, Fields and Tyson Bajan, he was wide receiver six on the season. So, yeah, um, he did. A, he was just really good all year, and the problem was no one else on that Bears team did anything to help him. Uh, the second half of the season, this is from fantasy points. DJ Moore faced bracket coverage or three defenders on his side of the field on 75% of his snaps. And there were two things going against him. One, the offensive play calling in Chicago is absolutely <laughs> terrible. Like it, it was the start of the season, it was elementary at best. To end the season, it got a little better, but not much. Secondly, The other playmakers on this team, when DJ Moore was targeted, Justin Fields posted a 150 QBR, which is almost perfect. When anybody else on this team was targeted, he posted a 55 QBR. Like, they need to add playmakers, and they have two picks to do it, or maybe one pick, depending on who they take. But I highly expect in this draft, with them having – two picks in the first round and three picks in the second round. They're going to add another wide receiver to this room. It's going to free things up for DJ Moore. It's also very rare. We They, they also see, have money to spend too. Yeah, they, they have a ton of money to spend as well. You're right. Uh, it's also very rare. You see a wide receiver uh, account for all of his team's passing yards in a game, which <laughs> DJ Moore did against Washington this year. Uh, so but he had like 55 fantasy points. Yeah. Yeah. So I, for all those reasons, like we finally got a year where DJ Moore, uh, wasn't just like a well if he had a better quarterback uh, this year he still had his ups and downs which is why he's lower on this list um but justin fields caleb williams drake may Jaden daniels whoever ends up in chicago i i'm just confident dj moore is going to still be a dog yeah i mean i can't i can't hate on that at all dj moore has been a guy that i've liked uh that we both liked but but i've had on multiple like breakout and what whatever lit my guys list the last couple of years so definitely 
can't hate on that. Like I said, I think he'd probably be 13 or 14. Yeah. If I were doing ranks. So no qualms there. My number nine is Garrett Wilson. Where is Garrett Wilson or is Garrett Wilson in your top 12? He is. And he got 12. See, so I'm low on him at nine, I think. And so yeah. you're really low on him. And yeah. I, I just, I have concerns <laughs> with what the quarterback is going to be. I have no concerns with, with him really as a player, other than maybe I wish you were a little bit more consistent. Like I kind of talked about between he and Olave, but what does Aaron Rodgers look like at 40 coming off a of torn Achilles? Who is the quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers? Because if Aaron Rodgers is playing and he's healthy, does he stay healthy behind what is right now? We'll see what they do in the offseason. Right now, not a very good offensive line. And, you know, at 40, coming off a of torn Achilles, how mobile is Rodgers? How able is he to take care of himself uh, like a Mahomes or a Josh Allen or Lamar could behind a bad offensive line? Obviously, it's not going to be that level, but. You know what I mean? Like even Rogers three years ago could could make it yeah. work probably better, uh, just from a mobility standpoint than than now. So that's my concern. And who do they add behind Rogers? Do they actually add a competent veteran quarterback like they've kind of alluded to? Like I'm just gonna believe we get anything but bad quarterback play when I see it from from the Jets because I, I just like it's unprecedented for a guy to play after an Achilles injury at the age Aaron Rodgers is about to do it. So I just don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers will be 41 in December next year, um, which there will still be, there will be playoff football for your fantasy leagues at that mm-hmm. time, um, which one of the reasons I have 12 is the uncertainty around Aaron Rodgers. Secondly, the jets are still in window which is really concerning considering they don't have the pieces on offense. They talk about a team that really needs another wide receiver. They do, but they also need an offensive, uh, an entire offensive line. In all honesty, yeah. this year's offensive line was ranked 30th out of 32, according to Brandon Thorne. Um, they have an offensive coordinator in Nathaniel Hackett, who I just don't believe in. It's He has not been good. It is a friend club in New York right now. And if you're friends with Aaron Rodgers, you're on the end. And they signed Alan Lazard to a three-year deal. Alan Lazard got like, like Equinemia St. Brown almost had as many yards as Alan Lazard this year, but Alan Lazard was this team's wide receiver too. They need somebody behind Garrett Wilson. That's not just Brees Hall and they, they don't have it. I know it's exciting because for back-to-back years, he's posted 140 plus targets and they have been some of the worst targets you could get for a wide receiver. And then you just have an uncreative play caller and a quarterback who, at this point in his career, is at the end. I mean, we saw Tom Brady at 40, 44, 44. 44. And his that, last season was not the best. Yeah. Um, but but he knew, I would say he, it's he, aspirational Tom for Brady, Aaron Rodgers to do that. Tom Brady didn't have well, number one, Tom Brady is probably one of one when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. And number two, you know, Tom Brady's last serious lower body injury was like in 2008. Yeah, an ACL tear. Yeah, so like yeah. that, it's just a big variable that we, we we just can't account for until we see it. Yeah, uh, and so- I'm just also, and I know this is really nitpicky, but I'm really, I question a lot saying a guy is as talented as our top four when he simply hasn't done it when Justin Jefferson with backup quarterbacks 
has done it. I know the situations are entirely different, but still there's a bit of a knock there. And I don't think, I think a lot of people are giving him an extra mile when I don't know if he's deserved the extra mile. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, the two of us might make up two of the five people on the internet who have Olave ranked higher yeah. than him. And, you know, Olave has not exactly had much better quarterback play no. over, over the last couple of years. And, and has been at least more consistent, and he's even still obviously been inconsistent. Yeah. But again, the, almost, the, go ahead. The, the highs are just so high. I almost ranked Mike Evans over Derrick Wilson. It was really close. Yeah, it's just Mike is a free agent, so it's hard yeah. to know what to what to rank him as right now. So that was my nine. He's your twelve. So your number nine is. It was Chris Olave. I'm down. Oh, okay. I'm okay. So my tens, Michael Pittman. I kind of think he's going to be back in Indy. He's a stud. Had a career year. Just an incredibly good, well-rounded receiver. We're big believers of Anthony Richardson as well on this podcast. Uh, I, I just think Pittman is a pretty locked and loaded, like top ten to fifteen type of guy, and and you know he's just kind of I like him the best out out of this next group of receivers. He actually did make my top twelve. He was a consideration. Uh, no knocking on his game. I I need to see more of. Anthony Richardson. I, I'm going to be a big believer offseason, Anthony Richardson. I need to see more of what the Steichen offense looks with it. How many of those RPOs turn into P's instead of R's when Anthony Richardson <laughs> is in the backfield. Um, and my my biggest thing with Michael Pittman is I think he's going to be back. I also see a ton of wide receivers mocked to the Colts in the middle of the draft. So I don't know if the indication around the league is he's not going to be there or a lot of people are just spewing doo-doo out of their mouth when it comes to their mock drafts. Well, it could be um, both. It could be but both. I think he's an incredibly talented wide receiver. The other two guys I have on here I just think are more talented than him. Uh, my number 10 is Devontae Adams. Okay, so he's my 11, and I bet you – Oh, so you left him. I almost left the guy you left off off. Um, I, I bet you most places don't have Devontae Adams ranked this high. Like most places I look don't. I think we're going to be high on Devontae Adams this year. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, for one, he's never been a wide receiver who wins with his athleticism. And even if you want to knock him for getting older, he was more than effective at his route running this year. Uh, the issues. I, I I don't think the issues were him at all. This me year. neither. Um, it got better when Pierce came in. I'm glad they kept Pierce as a head coach. I also really believe the Raiders end up with a different quarterback. Aiden O'Connell simply ain't it. Um, but Devonte Adams is like a one-to-one when it comes to talent in the NFL. He is by far the most efficient and effective route runner. A full season with him, I think Pierce is going to be able to utilize him more effectively. And, I mean, it's a lost season for Devonte Adams, and he finished as the wide receiver 16, and that's with multiple games where he got one to two targets. Yeah. Um, which is something that I don't think you he, do he, he scored 0.9 points in the fantasy semifinals. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely higher than him. Um, I, I just don't know how you can't be because he's still one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL. I am just really sad. I went to double check his contract. I'm real sad. He signed a five year deal. <laughs> and yeah. he got there. So, so I don't, I don't think he's going to be on a different team unless he kind of, gets the NBA player treatment where he makes things that miserable that they trade him. Yeah. Um, but well, he also apparently really likes Antonio Pierce. Yeah. 
And, you know, just like from a team and quarterback perspective, I think things went almost as bad as they could have. And like you said, I, I think I actually wrote down wide receiver 13 uh, for him. Top 16 finish, whatever, splitting hairs there. Like, I understand there were a lot of down weeks. I mentioned the point nine. He had a, a stretch of four or five weeks in a row where he was in the single digits. But he also had games of 20.1, 31.1, and 35.7. And it wasn't just one explosive play got got him those days or two explosive plays, especially that 35-point game. It was he dominated an entire game because he's still capable of doing that. It's just can the team get him the ball? And I'm with you. I, I think even though I don't know how great the situation will be, I think it will be better than it was this last season. Like, I just think this guy is still one of the best five receivers in football. And I don't know. Like, do you have Stefan Diggs in your top 12? Is he? Barely. So he's, he's 11. He's not in mine, but everywhere I looked, he's ahead of Devontae Adams. And it's just like. I can't do that. I'm not sure based on how things fit. Like, maybe we find out Diggs really. Maybe he has surgery in a week. And we're like, oh, okay. But, you know, he didn't have, what was it? He didn't have over 50 yards for a long stretch of time to to end the season. And Adams put up better performances down the stretch than Diggs with Josh Allen as his quarterback. Like, put Devontae Adams in Buffalo and what happens? He's probably the wide receiver too. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, I, I just, I, I find the digs over Adams thing being consensus. It like, I think you can argue it, but I think it's weird that everybody thinks that right now. The only reason Stefan Diggs is in my top 12 is respect for how good he is. Yeah. Um, but today, Brandon Bean came out and said that Dorsey considered deserves consideration for the OC position. And I think that would be a, a huge problem for the bills. Uh, you Looking mean uh, not not Dorsey? But Sorry, Joe, Joe Brady, R.P. Dorsey. Um, <laughs> the, under Joe Brady, the Bills passed ten percent less than they did under Dorsey. They passed uh, on forty nine point three percent of their plays, which on the second half of the season ranks them top five in the NFL in rush rate and bottom twenty in pass rate. It is horrible. For Stefan Diggs' value, and also their solution to Josh Allen's turnovers, and I talked about this after the Chiefs game, is they turned Josh Allen into a game manager who throws it short. And we saw at the end of the game, Josh Allen unload one of Diggs that got dropped. Um, but they are trying to scale back on his turnover-worthy plays. Well, how many also- what, what, was that Diggs' only target pass? Like. 10 yards down the field like yes they 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 only they 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 only threw 50 yards down the field or at the last scrimmage there was like two or three passes that were over the middle for like 10 yards it it was a little weird and it significantly costs his value because he wins down the field he wins consistently down the field but they're not willing to do that right and shakir is an ascending player uh is an ascending player james James cook Cook. obviously an ascending player so you just worry uh he, I'm, I'm not going to say he's going to be on my bus list, but he's probably going to be like a do not draft player for me all off season because that Buffalo situation feels really weird. We're going to get an entire off season of cryptic Stefan Diggs tweets where he's like, the knife is in your house and it's going to stab you or something. And I'm just not looking forward to it. It's going to be it, him and Josh Allen just aren't on the same page and him and that coaching staff just aren't on the same page. And I, 
He's yeah. my 11 because he's still good. But yeah, he he is still good. It's just tough to know what to do with him right now. Yeah, yeah. So who's your eleven? Well, I'm looking at his contract, and like Devonte Adams, he is going to be on his team next year. They're just not going to trade him. It's it would yeah. cost him too much money. Uh, so my my eleven was Devonte. So I only have one left at twelve, and that is Brandon Ayuk. Like he was the wide receiver twelve this season. That's with Debo playing fifteen games, Kittle playing sixteen games, and CMC playing every game this year. Now, I you played a lot, but I would think what is probably more likely is one or multiple of those guys is going to probably miss time next year. Like, I just think that he's one of the best route runners in the league. Amazing offensive system. Just a, like, can he be the wide receiver four in his current situation with minimal injuries? No, probably not. But is he about as safe as, uh, as a receiver you, as you can get at this point? Like, I feel a lot safer with him than I do with Stefan Diggs on on my team going in the next season. I think. Yeah, I would. I would probably agree with that. And even I, even like Devonte Adams, I think he is safer probably than than Adams. And Ayuk is on the team one more year, right? He's not a free agent yet. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Now, obviously, you know, we've seen that that is when the extension talks start coming, mm-hmm. and, and we'll see what happens there. What helps the Niners is. Brock Purdy is playing for like ten dollars. Yes. What hurts the Niners is they've paid a lot of guys, so I, I don't know what's going to happen there. I would think Ayuk would be a priority for them to keep. I would no think issues he, with Ayuk's uh, game for me. Um, not that Brock uh, Brock Purdy is what he is, which is a good player in the perfect system for the kind of player he is. Um, but there are just limitations that that puts on the game, and then. The number of mouths to feed on that offense just creates spike weeks. I don't hate him being top 12, though. I, he was more reliable than Stefan Diggs in the season. Yeah, Nine of Stefan Diggs' last 10 games, he was under double digits. Um, and in all of those games, the Bills won. So <laughs> you don't like that. Um, and you don't like Ken Dorsey coming, or Joe Brady coming back to being their OC if that happens. So, yeah, I, I might even switch that out come closer to the year. Do you – so are, are are you done with your list? Have you given us your 12? Yeah, we're done. All right. Let's go to running backs here. We'll get through these a little bit quicker. So we have about 10, 10 minutes to preview these games. Number one, I think it's easy, right? It's Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I think one through three should be easy. Yeah, like, you know, what What can you say about McCaffrey? Yeah. Like He's, he's one-to-one. He scored more than quarterbacks this it, year. It just is what it is. Uh, I have Brees Hall, too. Is that I have Brees Hall, too? too. Like, he finished as the RB6 or something like that a year off of the ACL tear and a lost season for the team. He's just a freak show. Give him another year removed from injury and even just a slightly more functional offense. And, and this guy, Which we expect. he led running backs and targets this year. Um, he was the only running back with two 175 yard plus games. Yeah. The only running back with four 90 plus receiving games. Um, you can't beat that. Hopefully they draft a tackle in the first round and shore up a little bit of the offensive line for him, but you're coming back year three off of an ACL injury now, I really expect he'll be fully healthy. Um, and in spite of what we said about Garrett Wilson, I do think the offense moves a little better than they did this year for sure. Yeah. Uh, number three, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. One through three are my first tier, and it ends with this guy. I, I think some I, – I, I've seen ranks that have others in this spot, but, like, I think Taylor just reminded us how good he is, how how – how much of a workhorse he can be when he's healthy. I talked a little bit about the Colts offense earlier with Pittman. I, I like this team. I like this offense. I love Jonathan Taylor. Like, you know, I, I think it's going to be a great, a great spot for a great player. 
Yeah, you have a Russian quarterback who's going to inarguably get Jonathan Taylor some lightly stacked boxes because they're going to be spying him. I, he, Shane Steichen's a genius. I just can't hate this. Yeah, I agree. Uh, number four for me, I have Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I actually have Jameer Gibbs at eight. Wow. I, I have his uh, rookie draft counterpart here. Okay. I have Bijan a couple spots lower. But uh, for Bijan, it's a little bit of a placeholder. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, with Gibbs, it's like I just kind of think he is Alvin Kamara, not maybe from a player perspective. I still think Kamara at his peak was better. But just from the sense that that dude's going to get 12 touches and he is so explosive, he is going to have massive days. I do think uh, it wouldn't shock me to see him just like make up a little bit. I say make up ground, earn a little bit more of a, of a work share in that backfield uh, than Montgomery in year two. He's obviously more established. He knows the system at this point. He had a great third down pass pickup, pass protection pickup in that game the other day. And that meant a lot to me because I was like, wow, like I, I was listening to the athletic football show and one of their questions was how much Gibbs do we see in this game because the Bucks blitz like crazy and are they going to trust him pass pro? And they did in a big spot and he picked it up like he like bulldozed a linebacker. Yeah. So if he can do that stuff and get on the field even more and if those 12 touches a game go to 15 touches a game, that, that's a big deal. Yeah, I think Gibbs is ultra talented. Um, the reason for my ranking is a couple of things. Every guy I have in front of him, I would put in the workhorse role. And in fantasy right now, I think it's just important to get a guy that I can rely on for. Yeah, and I I, I don't disagree with that. I just kind of think Gibbs is so explosive, at like kind of like Kamara, like I said, that I, I think he can be efficient enough to where it won't matter as much. Yeah, my other concern and when you read the stat, it sounds like a wild concern. Eight of his touchdowns came from outside the 30. Um, that's good because he's explosive, like you said. Those plays, there's also just a level of flukiness to them. And if he gets mm -hmm. tackled on the one three times, in most cases, this coaching staff is bringing in David Montgomery for it. His one touchdown that came within the five yards, David Montgomery famously said he subbed himself out so Trevor <laughs> Gibbs could get the touchdown. Um, all that's to say he's a really good player. It's just everybody I have above him, I consider a workhorse. And with the way when I looked at these rankings, I, I wanted to make sure I got the guys that I know are going to be in my lineup. And even if they get me eight points a couple of weeks, you know, there's always the chance that Jameer Gibbs is a 10-touch game and he just doesn't get that explosive look that we wanted and he just doesn't have a good week for you. And you walk away feeling a little scorned, but he's still an incredible player. And he's at seven for me, so it's not like I would take him in the second. Oh, round. seven. Okay, you said eight a minute ago. Uh, so well, he's, 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 moving, he's moving on up. He's getting No, he that. is eight. Sorry, he is eight. Okay, now he's worse again. All right, you're number four. Uh, it's Bijan Robinson. Oh, um, I don't know what's going to happen in Atlanta, but it's going to be better. I, I have him at six because it's like, who's the coach? Who's the quarterback? It's all unknown. Yeah. Kind of a placeholder right now. He he might jump a spot, maybe two, depending on how things shake out from, from that perspective. Yeah, he had three games that were essentially zero points where he was active. Um, and I can't ding him for those. He finishes the RB14 uh, with suspect usage at most. He was out-touched by Tyler Algier in eight of his 18 games <laughs> this year, which doesn't make any sense. Uh, this offense also led the NFL in red zone turnovers, so I also just expect higher touchdown equity. Uh, all that's to be said, 
if they bring in some hack somehow, they don't hire any of the good coaches out there. I will get a bit be upset, but I <laughs> anticipate them being better all around. All right. My number five was Travis Etienne, and like he had an amazing stretch and then tailed off a little bit. Uh, but I stick by what I said earlier in the year where we talked about how he just was doing the real running back stuff better than he ever had, the, you know, the vision, uh, running up the middle instead of bouncing stuff. Like, I liked what I saw from ETN this year. I think people are going to look at his his numbers and complain about the inefficiency. I think that was the offensive line, the offensive line, and the offensive line's fault. Uh, can that get better? It's kind of one of those things where it's like, I think it can get a little bit better at the very least. And if it gets a lot better, that's great. Even a little bit of improvement would be, would be really nice uh, for ETN, but he's a good player. He's uh, I would say workhorse, but not as much so as the top three guys, but he's kind of like the, the workhorse light kind of. I, kind I have of him role. six, so I have him in my workhorse tier. Mm -hmm. uh, my only questions are what does the Jaguars offense do? who they bring in, how do they make this offense more reliable for Trevor Lawrence so they can more reliably put the ball up and down the field, and then whether or not they add offensive linemen in a draft where there are a lot of good offensive linemen. Uh, all that to be said, he's a very good player. I slotted him at six. Uh, I have his draft counterpart above him, Kyron Williams, who okay. he led the NFL at explosive rate. He missed four games, and he still finished as the RB3, which is right. wild in my opinion. Um, and the Rams, I mean, he had the most rush yards of any running back under Sean McVay when you consider Todd Gurley was there for his monster <laughs> years. There, Wait, is that actually true? That's actually true. I have to look this up. Uh, and all of those things, maybe it's most touchdowns. It's one or the other. Um, but with all of that being said, like we talked about Puka Nakua, this offense is something I want to invest in. I'm very excited about it. And I'm going to take Kyron Williams here. I think he's solidified himself. They're going to add somebody this offseason. There's going to be chatter around it, but that's just because they need someone behind him because Ronnie Rivers ain't it. Uh, okay, so I think you're wrong on both the things you said. I, I, I don't, I, I don't know what, what is there a third possibility for what this stat might be? Uh, I saw a tweet about it. So I'll tell you when I find the tweet. Give me a sec. You can go with you. Who's your six? Well, I'll, I'll give my Kyron. So I have Kyron at eight. Um, and really, like, the only – the knocks on him, why I have him there as opposed to where you have him, it's just like I, – I agree, and I said this last week. I think the Rams will add somebody. We'll, we'll see who that is. I do think that'll kind of lower his perceived value a little bit. I'm kind of already baking that in. Now if they add nobody or somebody bad, maybe I bring him up. A spot or two, but I don't know. I like he's in the McVay offense and he's a good player. So I think he's good. Like he's a very clear RB one. I just think for whatever, sometimes the, the fantasy numbers are better than the player. And I do kind of think that's what happened a little bit this year. So I just think we're going to have a little bit of a, just the teeniest step back next season and so like i i, I think he's gonna be really good but i have him lower than an etn and then my seven is saquon barkley whether that's new york or elsewhere i still am just such a belief like saquon is saquon and like saquon's my seven as well 
yeah, so like he's the RB 16 this year, despite missing three games and playing on a team that legitimately threw for like 14 yards in one game. He he's just awesome. And it would be great if he went somewhere that was better, even if he's back in New York, you know, the situation may not be ideal, but injuries really derailed what could have at least been an okay season for, for that offense, you know, and it turned out to be terrible. Like I, I just think you invest in Saquon and you feel good about it. Yeah, and wherever he ends up, I'm happy with. I can't find the stat, but I'll, I'll tweet it out to our followers when I do find it. He <laughs> led in some category and beat Gurley out by like 0.2 or something. Maybe um, it was like yards per carry or something. Yeah, I don't know. per touch or something. Um, but with that all being said, Saquon is at my seven. He's my last of the solidified workhorses right now. Uh, there's another guy later on my list who I think would be a workhorse, but we'll we'll talk about him when we get to him. Uh he, he, Saquon's still Saquon. He was still just as good. The thing was, this offense was terrible. Daniel Jones was back to Daniel Jones. Uh, there were no, there was no one on this receiving core that did anything to help them out. Despite that, he still had 100 yards in multiple games. He still did more for this offense than anybody else. Uh, and if he ends up in like Baltimore, ooh, <laughs> ooh. yeah, that'd be crazy. Yeah, but. Wherever he ends up, it's Saquon. I'm going to have him ranked highly. He's just too good not to still. Can I give you one that would be great? Where? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay would be great. I'm I, don't, assuming... I don't have Rashad White in my top 12, by the way, which is, a, which is a scorching hot take on the internet these days. Yeah, uh, neither of us do. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we, I mean, we can address that. I'm going down with the ship on that one. All right, number nine, I have Josh Jacobs. It's kind of the, the same in the same vein as Saquon Barkley, where you know what happened this year wasn't his fault. He missed three games. He's still the RB23. You hope the situation will be slightly better this year, like we talked about with Devontae Adams in, in Vegas. Like We just saw him get blown up in the backfield so much. So, yeah. so, so much. And, you know, better line, better quarterback, what, whatever, uh, the offense that doesn't hate their coach for half the season. All of those things uh, should help a guy who I still think is – a, a very good player and also he he could be somewhere else too it, it, he's not a lock to be back in vegas yeah i have him at 10 uh heard an exciting take on a podcast like imagine josh jacobs in houston yeah which, so houston's another team where it's like yeah. put a good running back there and they're gonna be ranked in the top yeah. 10 they have a lot of money they need a better running back there he fits what they would use for he's a good zone runner they have a zone run scheme all of those things got me really excited if he's back in Oakland, I'm a little less excited. But again, Vegas. sorry, Vegas. They used to be Oakland. Um, <laughs> he's still very talented. This entire team was just a lost cause all season. There's no takeaways you can have with this season and extrapolate it onto what they're going to do next year unless they run Aiden O'Connell out there again, which I don't expect them to do. Even if they do, it was better down the stretch. And Jacobs wasn't healthy for some of the part that was better. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that also hurt him too. But uh, my number nine. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't want to leave your, your number nine to dust here. Uh, it's Isaiah Pacheco. I have him at 10. So okay. Right so there. we just flip flopped. Uh, without Derek McKinnon, it's become very obvious that he is the workhorse in the Bills game. CEH saw four touches. Uh, he saw 17. Yeah. Isaiah. And, you know, they're, they're, they're going to, CEH is going to be gone. Uh, they're going to add another running back, whether it's draft, free agency, whatever. And it's not going to be anybody. Like, I, it, it just won't be anybody that's going to take over that job. It's just yeah. Won't. You got, I, I just don't have a lot to say. He was third in the NFL, at expl- or sorry, seventh in the NFL, an explosive rush rate. Um, the Chiefs' offensive line is one of the best units 
it's going to get better this draft because they're probably going to take a tackle. If not, the unit's going to have another year together. It's going to be the same guys out there. Both of those matter. This offense is going to see less stacked boxes with a better receiving room, which I also anticipate coming. And I mean, Pacheco just gets it done. He's doing it right now in the playoffs, and I expect him to come around and do it in the next year. Yeah, and here, you know, the O-line is good, you're right, but also the O-line was probably below expectation this entire year, and they definitely had some peaks, one of those being the other day, but they, they've been hit or miss. So if you would have told someone before the season the Chiefs' offensive line would play worse than you think, especially in the run game. Like, the running, the run blocking is always hit or miss with the O-line, it seems like. Yeah. The O-line would play below expectation. The Chiefs would have the worst offense of the Mahomes era. The receivers would lead the NFL in drops and yards uh, uh, lost and drops. And they have the worst red zone offense of the Mahomes era. You'd think, well, Pacheco had to have been a bust, right? Like, no, he was actually the RB13. So and he like, missed two games. He, he didn't get the benefit of this great offense carried him to the RB13. Like, no, the offense can be better. Pacheco is, I would say, a good NFL running back and a good NFL running back who in an offense that was very up or down was the RB13. He can be better than that this year. He can outdo the RB10. It's just yes. like, you know, it's hard to rank him ahead of someone like Josh Jacobs, who I just think is better. So, but like he, he could be the RB five at the end of next year. And I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I agree with all that. Um, are we down to 11 now? Yeah. That was my 10. Uh, 11. I don't see in a lot of top 12 rankings for me. And it's Tajay Spears. Really? Um, so I, I don't have him, but I, I, I wanted to. I could not get away from it. I didn't have him in it. Uh, spoiler alert, James Cook didn't make my top 12. Tajay Spears He's, did. James Cook is 11th for me, but I'm really jealous of you having Tajay Spears 11th and James Cook not, not on there. That, uh, that's a much more fun and uh, clickbaity take to have. So I it, it. It, it is clickbait. Um, but also I'm just a believer in Tajay Spears. Yeah. Uh, he had he had 70 targets as a rookie, which is wild for running back. Every and he wasn't, time, you know, he wasn't a full-time player either. Yeah, I mean, he was playing behind Derrick Henry. He's the first player to do it, to actually get playing time behind Derrick Henry consistently. Yeah. Uh the Titans are in full rebuild mode. They're probably gonna draft a tackle. Whatever they do, Tajay Spears is so incredibly talented. He he's he's just too good for me not to rank him here. And he's going to be their workhorse this coming season. Uh, uh I mean that's all I have to say about it. I, I can't not put him in my top twelve because I think he is so talented. Yeah, I mean we've talked about him a lot. I, I I agree with that. I agree with everything you said. I can't hit on the pick at all. Very jealous of it. My 11 is James Cook. Like I said, he he's just, he became the centerpiece that offense. If they run it back kind of with the same crew, I expect that again next season. Uh, I think he's a good player. I think he's the youngest ascending player and we've kind of always wanted a Buffalo running back to be the guy and have that job. I think he's good enough to where I expect him to be the guy and have that job. He can catch passes. You know, he's, he's even gotten to the point where he's not getting, vultured by other running backs as much his issue is josh allen runs for a lot of touchdowns yeah. so that that'll be a reality for him yeah for him it just comes back to whether or not they bring joe brady back as oc because his his come on really came when they ran the ball more mm-hmm. uh and no offense to james cook truthers out there but this offense is better when they let josh allen do things not when they let james cook do things yeah for sure uh, it, all that's to be said he's still a good player he'll be in my top 16 i'm sure um 
but I, I just I didn't think he was worth my my consideration. Okay, so I'm down to my last guy. Do you have two left or just one? Uh, let me make sure we didn't skip anybody else. I had no. I'm done with my last one. All right, so my number twelve is Ramondre Stevenson, and this is kind of oh, my this is me me taking a shot and buying into the bounce back. Uh, I think the Patriots are in a great spot to get a quarterback, uh, and you know whether they do it receiver that they, they should add receivers, whether it's draft or free agency. Like I don't think this offense is going to be completely remade and be great this year by any means, but it was very, 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 very bad this year both personnel and coaching, to be frank. like And and I think both of those things can improve a, a decent bit next season. He, he was the RB33, but he missed the last month of the season. It, it was just like he was one of the more frustrating guys out of those top three or four Do rounds. You who led them in receiving yards? Was it Zeke? No. I was going to say, was it, was it Ramondre? He caught a lot of passes. It was Kendrick Bourne who didn't play half the season. <laughs> I was going to say, you got hurt. That's how, that's how bad it was. Well, I guess two running backs, so that's also how yeah. bad it was. Uh, like, he is one of those guys, you mentioned the workhorse tier. He is one of those guys who, he has the, like, he has every ability to be in that tier if he's given that role. He has that upside. If this offense is functional and he doesn't have another running back who, they are giving some of that stuff to like, I still think he's the same really good player as he was this time last year, you know? Yeah. I, I don't hate it. I think that offense, no matter what takes a step forward with who the coaching staff is, because the coaching tree that Bill Belichick kept bringing in, wasn't getting it done without Tom Brady uh, with, or without Mac Jones, the, the offense improves probably without, they also are more than likely going to bring in better wide receiver talent because Demario Douglas leading them in targets and Kendrick Bourne leading them in yards is not something an NFL offense should be doing. Yeah. I, I I buy into all of that. I also think Ramondre is really good. Mm-hmm. Going back to college, he led the he led call his the, his year in college in broken tackle rate. Those are always good leading indicators for guys. I don't hate any of that. Your um, number twelve. I couldn't not put him here because I respect him so much. I put Nick Chubb down. And yeah, I, I thought about it. It's, I just, know it's just such an unknown right now. I know, just, it has to be a placeholder, you know. I, I know. he Look, first he tore his ACL early in the season, which is good because he can come back. It seems like the ACL surgeries are getting better. I know he's also older. Um, and I know <laughs> Dal- Dal- Dalton watched that injury and was like, oh, this is great. Thank God this happened in week three. <laughs> I also know it's the same knee he tore his ACL in, which is also not good. Yeah, in college, um, to be clear. This guy is a workout warrior, and I don't like using these things to evaluate players, but he just – he puts up like 565 on squad, and I just don't think that he's not going to be the guy that's rehabbing hard and going to come back. And from week four on, Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford posted alternating RB – top 20 RB weeks. I don't think that Nick Chubb can come back and not do that. Uh, and if he starts week one – and he's 80% Nick Nick Chubb. I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, and he's just too good. Where I would rather take Nick Chubb here than a lot of other running backs. Like, uh, very obviously, we already talked about it a little bit. Rashad yeah. White's in everybody's top 12. Devon Nick H. Chubb is in everyone's top 12, too, and he's not in ours. Yeah. Um, I, Nick Chubb is so much better of a player than those guys. Not in a bad way, even. He is just a one of the best running backs in the NFL. He he's the best when he's healthy. The only yes. thing, like for me, it's just like 
you know, what, what's the health status? Like that, that's just going to be the whole thing. He's, I'm going to do the exercise where I start him at like my RB 25 and I hopefully work him up as we get positive reports. Yes. Um, but I'm going to leave him at RB 12. He, I, I'm just going to buy into it now because even if he doesn't come back hundred percent, even if he doesn't play the first four weeks of the season, if he's on your roster and you're preparing for it, you're going to have a guy who, as long as he's healthy, is going to be a league winner at the end of the season. And you're going to get a guy that you shouldn't be at a substantial discount all off season. It, it's definitely a shoot for the moon type of pick for sure. So yeah, can't hate on it too much. All right. With that said, let's move on to quick conference championship predictions. We'll bring Johnny back in the fold for this one. We obviously have chiefs at Baltimore and lions at San Francisco 49ers. Uh, through the first couple of weeks, straight up, we are all seven and three. We're all doing pretty well straight up. We all, I think we all went four and oh straight up. We all the same picks. They all won last week against the spread. Johnny and I also seven and three. Dalton is going to need us both to get everything incorrect and him correct. Johnny, he is currently at four and six right now. So tough sledding in that regard. But we'll start with the Chiefs at the Ravens. This is Baltimore by three and a half. Dalton, I'll let you lead the way on this one. Wow. Um, love Kansas City. It's going to be the toughest game they've played. Baltimore's defense is as good as Kansas City's defense. They have been one and two all year in every reliable category. Not having Joe Tooney really hurts. And we but don't I'm know for Kansas sure, City we plus don't, three and a half. I was say, we don't know for sure Tooney's not playing, but yeah. it seems to be trending that way. Yeah, but I'm taking Kansas City to play. I'm taking the win outright. They're going to cover. They're going to win. Lamar Jackson has never seen the lights this bright in his life. Patrick Mahomes has seen the lights this bright six years in a row. Uh, so with all that, Kansas City that, by a million. With that being said, this will ruin your Super Bowl matchup that you chose the Ravens in. Just, just want to let you know that. I'll take the I'll take the L there. Mm, okay. Okay. <laughs> your Super Bowl matchup fell out two weeks ago when the Browns lost. Yeah, and I still changed it after the wild card weekend, and you. It's fine. It's I mean, you you can't really hate on Johnny's Browns pick too much because you were barking in our group chat when they were playing the Texans. So, oh, like, I, right I, I think you were there, too. I think I think you were almost right there with it, too. So. Uh, it would have been a fun storyline. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking the same line as uh, Dalton Chiefs and Chiefs plus two and a half. Man, I... And I have a mega future on the Chiefs at plus 700. <laughs> I, I'm going to stick with my pick and go Ravens, but I I really... I'll, I'll go Chiefs cover, Ravens win. And I, I really agonized over this, and I thought, you know, I kind of pretty easily picked the Ravens before because it's like, you know, I felt like the AFC Championship, if the Chiefs just get there, I'm happy with it. And I still am happy with it based on how this season has gone, how freaking frustrating it's been. And the reason why I can't quite get myself there with the Chiefs is, yes, they've played much cleaner football. The O-line hasn't had penalties. The receivers, you know, plus Kelsey, there's been a couple drops, but not nearly as many. And the Mecole. Uh, yes, and obviously McCole Hart. Like, there, there have still been mistakes, but it's been a lot cleaner football than they've played all season. And it's like, do I do I trust them to do it for a third straight game? I I, I just feel a little sick about that. Tooney, if he doesn't play, that really hurts. The 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 Ravens have a good interior pass rush. Derek Naughty, uh, if he doesn't play, which I don't know, he didn't play last week. I think that's a bigger deal than like the average person yeah. realizes against uh, the run game. Against the run game, 
that that mattered last week. It'll matter again. Uh, Willie Gay, it seems like he's going to play. Mike Edwards, I don't know. But Shamari Connor stepped in and played great outside of not uh, falling on a fumble. That's the other thing, too. It's like, you know, that game probably wasn't as close as it seemed by the end of it against the yeah. Bills. Last week, the Chiefs just kind of did the Chiefs thing. And if they do that again this week, you know, I just don't know if they can overcome that. Marlon Humphrey, Mark Andrews, both back for the Ravens this week. That'll help. Uh, one thing that'll be interesting is, you know, last week the, the Texans blitzed a ton in the first half and it worked. And then the second half, it didn't. I'll be curious if the Chiefs kind of start off with that same strategy and if the Chiefs, you know, Spags very famously, like, is the ultimate disguiser of blitzes bringing this exotic crap yeah. all in the playoffs. Like, So I'll just be curious to see what that matchup looks like i think the ravens are gonna have success running the ball and i think you know lamar is good enough to make them pay throwing the ball against blitzes he's been good against blitzes this year but also the chiefs are gonna have less fear of him than they did josh allen yeah throwing the i ball. think i think this game comes down to whatever defense breaks first uh yeah and it's it against two all-star quarterbacks one of them's going to break uh but whichever one breaks first is going to be the one that is probably going to cost the game so again, I'm taking the Ravens, but I I am just gonna because you know we're, we're Chiefs guys, we're gonna throw out pro Mahomes stats whenever we have the chance. I'm just gonna read you guys the results of Mahomes six games against number one defenses, which is the Ravens. Now I I, I will say the Bucks were technically the number one defense, but I don't think they were the number one defense until after they played the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. These are number one <laughs> defenses, like, coming into the game. And also the Chiefs' offensive line died that game. That wasn't Mahomes' fault. Um, the first one was against Baltimore in 2018. That was the no-look pass game. They almost have 450 yards of offense. They went 27-24 in overtime. The following was week 14, the next year, they go to the Patriots, and the Chiefs have 250 yards of offense, and they beat the Patriots in Foxborough with Brady. The next time was, again, in Week 14 against the Dolphins at Miami. If you remember, that was the 450 yards of total offense, four turnovers, sloppy game, but 33-27 win. The fourth time, actually the fourth and fifth times were the Broncos in the same year. They beat them 22-9 one time and then the 28-4 game on the road. I think that may have been the Mahomes left-hand pass game. Um, the most recent time was in San Francisco last year, which was arguably the most complete game we've played uh, uh, with Mahomes at quarterback. Uh, 529 total yards of offense, 44-23 to shellacking of the San Francisco 49ers last season. And then this weekend will be the the seventh. So like he's been really good against the best defenses. He's been really good against everybody, but like he, the best defenses, it really hasn't mattered. So I don't think this is like a, this defense, man, I just don't think they can move the ball. I just think it really comes down to can the chiefs avoid the chiefs mistakes yeah. uh, enough to win this game. And I'm just nervous about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a win for the season already uh, and a win for Mahomes' career, considering the worst he's ever finished would be in the AFC Championship game. Yep. And, you know, those losses, you have D4 jumping off sides, obviously, and then you have the game where our offense stopped playing football 
in the second half against the Bengals. Someone threw out the theory recently that Mahomes got a concussion in the first half of that game, and I'm just that's like my new headcanon now. Uh, well, if we just kick a field goal instead of running a weird <laughs> route to Tyreek Hill uh, at the end of the first, we still win the game. Uh, all that to be said, I just think Mahomes is going to walk in there and do Mahomes things. Mm-hmm. Hey, this game does not come down to Mahomes. It comes down to whether or not our wide receivers can just step up enough to, one, not turn the ball over, two, catch a few of his on-target throws that are just difficult catches. Um, so enough – the Dolphins game, they could get away with it just being Rice, Pacheco, Kelsey. Mm-hmm. The Bills, it was, you know, they had to have another guy step up. And Marquez Valdez-Scantling did that with two huge catches. That is going to have to happen yeah. again this week. Uh, yeah. And and we'll see if they're capable of that. Those those stats, uh, or that, that Twitter thread, by the way, courtesy of Taylor Witt. Want to make sure and give credit there. All right, Lions at 49ers. This is San Francisco by... Seven, and I'll start this off and, and just say I have San Fran winning, but I think this line is too big. I think this game has major shootout potential, so that's why I'm taking the Lions to cover here. Talked about this a lot with, with them playing the Packers last week. Like the the 49ers defense, if you can block them, you can beat them. And the Lions have a good offensive line, and obviously like we know how important it is for Jared Goff to block him up too. So this is like a really high very like I could, this could be a blowout or this could be a, a very, very, very tight game. Um, and, and I'm just uh, of the belief that the Lions are playing very well. Obviously, the Niners are – you know, Niners are playing okay. <laughs> but the Niners are the Niners. I think this will be a close game. But I think the 49ers escape with this one – or the yeah, 49ers escape with this one. The Lions cover. Uh, the Lions secondary ranks 32nd in explosive pass defense this season. So I just think the Niners are going to be able to throw the ball – around the yard enough, even without Debo potentially to be able to come away with the win here. Yeah. I have the same picks as you. I have the Niners not covering. I have the Lions covering plus seven because that's just too many points. And I have the Niners winning, although I don't feel good about it. Um, if, if this is no disrespect to the Lions, yeah. but if there were a better second team in the NFC, like I, I think Sam Fran has been kind of ripe for an upset. Uh, obviously, going back to the end of the regular season, and then in the first round, the like the Packers should have won that game. And yeah, exactly, they, they well, and, and rain. Regardless of the rain, the formula for beating this team is getting pressure on Brock Purdy quickly, and they the Lions definitely have the pass rush to do it. This offensive line outside of Trent Williams is not very good. Uh, the yeah. problem is their secondary is so bad. Uh, the law. If Debo doesn't play, that does hurt the Niners pretty significantly, yeah. in my opinion. Um, but then you have Frank Ragna, who's probably going to play, but he's not going to play at 100. percent And I think shootout potential is. I, I'm feeling that one where one game is going to come down to whose defense doesn't give it up first. This game is going to come down to which offense executes the game plan more cleanly. Uh, the Niners will need a better version of Brock Purdy to show up than yeah, he did last week. Yeah, for sure. And and it'll be strength versus strength, run defense versus run offense, Niners run offense versus Lions run defense. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting, obviously, to see who can win that battle. Yeah, I agree. But I would not be surprised if the Lions walked out of it. And it would be a crazy, crazy script-writing thing if the Chiefs-Lions <laughs> play week one, play week, uh, play in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Johnny? I agree. Um, Niners to win. 
lines to cover, but I, I, I agree with Dalton. I would not be surprised at all if the lines came out of it. Yeah, I just, like, you know, the, the thing about the NFL is it also, like, this is talking out both sides of our mouth here, but it, it's so week to week sometimes where if Sam Fran shows up and plays amazing and wins 34 to 17, we'll all come back here feeling like, how did we, like, how did we not see this coming? Like they're yeah. so much better. So like, it, obviously we don't know what's going to happen, but I do just think San Fran has looked vulnerable enough that I have enough concerns. I think the Lions can keep up and keep it interesting. And I think we should have two great games this weekend. And on that note, that is going to do it for episode 134 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Half Point Per Pod. I will at some point be putting out graphics of our top 12 ranks, so those will be available to see uh, as well down the road. Subscribe to the YouTube. The link to all those things uh, will be in the show notes as always. You can see Dalton's uh, wild and crazy headset if you if you do come here. Uh, the show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, etc., Leave us a five-star review. Thank you so much for listening, and some of us will talk to you again next.